I'm hoping that at the end of this, you will be helped and some things will take place. Um, I was going to do this several weeks ago, but I truly believe, because I believe in the spiritual realm, that's the day I got hit with a kidney stone. And um, I had this message all prepared. And I'll tell you, this morning I got hit again. And my wife says, what's wrong? And I thought, oh, here we go again, but um, went away. So you'll understand in a little while. So when it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Now, when I looked at this scripture, I can understand how we can overcome the devil by our testimony. You can't take a testimony away from an individual and people when they listen to your life and they see the change. But I've titled this, and I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm looking at this from the standpoint of people that do not know God. What's the deal with the blood? What is the deal with the blood? And you see... Subliminally, I wore this for a reason today because I want you to see the red. And so today, it's going to be a sermon lesson. Lots of scriptures, right, Joe? Lots of scriptures. So I want you to understand what I'm teaching you this morning, preaching to you this morning, because you're people of blood. You're people of blood. And you've got to understand that. Yours is a bloody religion. And you can never forget that. So pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning knowing that you are the one that created all things. It was in your mind, in eternity past, what was going to take place. And God, you chose the agency of blood. You were the one that knew what it would take to redeem mankind back to you. And you knew the forces that would be against man. So Lord, this morning I pray you would arrest those spirits that try to hinder. You would arrest them and bind them, God. Let the angels do their work in this service today, God. Let the hearts be opened up so that they can hear clearly. Hear clearly. God, what you have done for each and every one of them. I pray this in the name that is above every name, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, turn to your neighbor and say, what's the deal with the blood? Without blood... In your body, there can be no physical life. And that's just as true as far as the Bible is concerned. The Bible flows, or the blood flows through the Bible, just like it does through our veins. The blood of Jesus keeps Christianity alive. Someone said this, if you cut the Bible, it'll bleed. The word blood 
in the King James Version of the Bible appears 447 times. It is in 375 verses. So it's easy to see that it is a theme written and woven within the blood. Without the blood, the gospel is dead and we are deprived of eternal life. Matthew 26 and 28 says this, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Paul added this in Hebrews 9 and 22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. He also states this to the Colossians in 1 and 14. We have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Peter said this, 1 Peter 1 and 18, We are not redeemed with silver and gold and precious stones, but with the precious blood of Christ. And then finally, his stepbrother, John, 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Where did this whole thing, this whole concept come from? Well, it comes right from the beginning. You know the story of Adam and Eve. You know that they were made perfect in the beginning. They were in a perfect place. And might I add this to those of you parents sometimes that think you fail. God was the consummate perfect parent. But his two children failed. They listened to the other side. And they covered themselves with fig leaves because they realized they were naked. That was not good enough. So what God did, and I want you to picture this in your mind, God killed animals. And I get the picture of these skins that are still dripping with blood. And he puts them on them. Here they are, their naked bodies, and against their skin is the tallow and blood of an animal to cover their nakedness. That was the beginning. Then they had two children, Cain and Abel, and you see that Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted because it was the produce of the ground. So obviously the parents told them something because Abel offered a much more perfect sacrifice. He offered one of his flock. It was the blood. It says in Leviticus 17 and 11 that for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life. And God has given it to us for an atonement. So we have to understand that. And the early church understood the blood. There are 18 sermons recorded by four preachers. Peter, Philip, Stephen, and Paul in the book of Acts all give the same message. All allude to the same thing. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They understood that his death and the provision of covering by blood was essential to the ingredient of the gospel. To them it was there. That should cover it. That's it. The idea of payment to cover 
as well as hiding from sight. In the 80s, a singer by the name of Wayne Watson had a song, and it was called Rose-Colored Glasses. And it had this refrain. It said, His gaze always passes through rose-colored glasses every time he looks on my heart. See, God chooses to look through that blood. So now can you see the deal, the big deal about the blood? But it gets even better. It's hard to see blood. It's internal. Jay, come on up here. Just kidding. Go sit down. Did you know, and when, when we were kids, we would play these games and we'd become blood brothers. And we would get a sharp object and as bravely as we could, we'd prick ourselves and then we'd put our fingers together. The old cowboys and Indians, you big blood brother. <laughs> Did you know that in the Eastern culture, that still remains? It's called a blood covenant. And when you enter into a blood covenant, that means that if the other party should pass, that other individual would take care of everything, take care of the family, take care of all financial debts, take, because that blood bound them. That's how important the aspect of blood is. And, of course, it's internal. But the Bible paints, in broad strokes, the blood on a canvas. And in minute detail, God's Word breaks it down to a cellular level. The importance of the blood of Jesus Christ. We can see it today. But even more important is that God sees the blood applied to our lives. And then when he sees that, he passes over us. Why? It says this in 1 Corinthians 5-7 in the last part. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Does that bring anything in remembrance to some of you Bible teachers? It should tell you about the night that Moses was going to journey out with the Exodus. And what was the very definitive thing that happened that night? The blood of the Lamb. And that, when we teach that, we should understand that that Lamb was penned up for three days to make sure it was perfect. They killed it, drained its blood, and then they put that blood on the doorposts and the upper lentil of the, the house coming in. 
That just signifies the fact that Jesus, in his three and a half year of ministry, we saw the perfection of the man. And at the end, his blood was shed. But what's the application? I'll say it again and again. The application is baptism. That's how you apply the blood of the Lamb to your life. So God passes over the judgment that we so earnestly deserve. Because it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As perfect as you think you are, you're a sinner. You need the application of the blood. So let's put the blood of Christ under a microscope. My good friend, my good brother, Joseph Emanuele, worked in forensics for Milwaukee. I asked him some things about forensics, and then it intrigued me. I went online, looked up, and forensics is a scientific study of a criminal scene. They pull it apart. This is not a criminal scene today, but I want to look at some things about the blood to get you to understand. You must understand. So number one, in analysis, the blood is perfect. The blood is perfect. The virgin birth of Christ established his righteousness. Matthew 7, 24, Judas cried out, I have betrayed innocent blood. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Paul explained, For he, God, hath made him Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. John 18, 38, Pilate said, I find no fault at all. John 8 and 46, Jesus said, Which of you convinceth me of sin? In another rendition, that word convinceth is convict. And then Hebrews 7 and 26, Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. And finally, 1 Peter who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And lastly, 1 John 3, 5, in him is no sin. We've got to understand the purity of this blood. A natural father would have imparted a sin nature. It's Adam's nature. But that was not in Christ's life. The virgin birth is absolutely essential to salvation of our souls. The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus was born of a virgin and did not inherit the Adamic nature of sin. Matthew quotes Isaiah in 1 and 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. And then Jeremiah the prophet had spoken years before on this. He said, The Lord hath created a new thing upon the earth. A woman shall compass a man, or shall shelter a man. In other words, she'll just conceive a child without the intervention of a husband. 
it certainly was a new thing, wasn't it? And people all along the ages have tried to discredit the virgin birth. They've tried to impugn it. But we have to believe it because there were no impurities in his blood. He did not inherit the Adamic nature. His blood was spotless. His blood was perfect. You've got to keep that in mind. In application, the blood was completely and totally pure. One of the reasons that we use grape juice instead of wine when we take communion, and I know there are others that use wine, but wine goes through the process of fermentation. It is a rotting process. Think of that. It rots. This could never be or give the proper picture of the sinless blood of Christ. For all that is, is holy. All that Satan brings is counterfeit. And communion is no exception. It should look pure. Pure grape juice is the true symbol of the pure blood of the Lord Jesus. Just as the bread without leaven says there's no sin. Amen? I've got a dear friend. He said I could mention his name. Scott Dornbach. He goes through dialysis. And what that process does is it filters all the contaminants out of the blood and then puts the blood back in the body. Why? So then the blood can begin to pump through the body and do what it was meant to do. Cleanse. Heal. That's, what God, that's why God said the life of the flesh is in the blood. Years ago, do you know how George Washington died? It was a bloodletting. They used to cut people and let them drain over a bucket. They took too much. All he had was pneumonia. And he could have easily recovered if they would have let him and his blood do its work. So after blood is purged or it's pure, it can do its work. We're celebrating Labor Day tomorrow. Do you know what Labor Day is for? Commemorate all those that work. What labor was done on Golgotha? We need to celebrate the fact of what Jesus Christ did for us, how he worked our salvation, and how his blood was shed on our behalf. The writer of Hebrews stated, Hebrews 9, 13, 14, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? When the pure blood of the Savior is applied to a sinner's life, it provides cleansing. John explained in John 
1 and 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We sing a song. What can wash away my sin? Come on. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other font I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many of you have been baptized in Jesus' name? Raise your hands. Aren't you glad for the blood? Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, 18-19, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It's pure. And so as pure, it's purifying. Forensics, inaction, inaction, the blood. The blood is perpetual. The animal sacrifices of the Old Testament were continuous year after year, and all they did was cover. That's all they did, they covered. The blood of bulls and goats provided forgiveness and pardon temporarily, only because it pointed to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and His blood being shed for the covering of our sins. Hebrews 7 and 27 says this, Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once. Once when he offered up himself. That's why, can I say this? I grew up Catholic. So I can talk. I was an altar boy, and I knew full well what was going on at what was called the offertory. That's where you bring the cruets up, and you fill wine, and you put water, and he's got the host. That is the place where transubstantiation takes place. That means the priest, right at that point, is turning the wine into the blood and the host into the body of Jesus Christ. That means he's dying again and again and again and again. Totally goes against what this word says. He died once. Shed his blood once. That's all he needs to do. Our communion is to commemorate those things. To point back and then look forward to his soon return. Paul said this in Hebrews 9, 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That's why when Mary saw him and she said, Rabboni, he said, don't touch me. He had not ascended up into the heavenly altar and presented his blood as of yet. The high priest could not be touched the day that he was to go into the holiest of holies. All this was to signify what was going on in the Old Testament was being revealed and done in the New Testament. 
It's the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9, 26. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And then Hebrews 10 and 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. The death of Jesus Christ set into motion a continuous cleansing for those who trust in him. Joan, would you do me a favor? Would you put up 1 John 1 and 9? 1 John 1 and 9. Because people will say, well, I've sinned. My, my baptism is null and void. No, it's not. It's not. Because it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to once again cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And for people that have not been baptized and they go into this, they're reading mail that was not addressed to them. It's addressed to people that are born again. Because he made a provision for us. If you mess up, then what you do is you die to yourself on that day. You ask God to forgive you, and guess what the blood does? It does its effective work again and again and again and again. See, the Bible speaks in Hebrews 13 and 20 of the blood of an everlasting covenant. Joe, let's go on with the science. In accomplishment, the blood is powerful. It's powerful. When you look at it forensically, it's powerful. There was a song that was written by Lewis E. Jones. She's going to put it up there. I love to sing. You ready? Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Come on, let's stand. Power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power Power, oh, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, oh, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Let's do it again. I love it. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Strong now. There is power, power, oh, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, oh, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. 
You may be seated. I'm talking about what is the deal with the blood? What is the deal with the blood? John wrote in Revelation 5 and 9, Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy, by your blood. We've got to understand this is something of grave importance, not only to us, but to the rest of the world. We can't just sit with this understanding and not pass it on, the understanding to other people. It takes amazing power to expunge sin, to take sin away. And we are told that it overcomes the devil in that very, very beginning scripture. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The devil hates us talking about the blood. He hates it. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, had the princes of this world known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Never. They didn't understand the plan of God. But here it was. All done. And when that blood came out, you read it in Matthew. The graves opened up. As soon as that blood hit the ground, the graves opened up. People came out and testified of Jesus Christ. That's how powerful the blood of God is. There's always skeptics. There's always false people. I don't know if you remember this name, Mary Baker Eddy of the Christian Science Movement, she wrote this, the material blood of Jesus is no more efficacious to cleanse from sin when it was shed upon the cursed tree than when it was flowing through his veins. R.B. Thyme, a Bible teacher in Texas, declared, the red liquid that ran through the veins and arteries of Jesus' mortal body is not related to our salvation. False things abound out there. That's why I say to you, be careful what you read. Be careful what you explore on the internet. All you need is the Word of God. And it tells you about the effectiveness, about the cleansing power of Jesus' blood. And we need to testify about it. Amen? We need to stand what it says in Hebrews 9 and 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Let's go back to the science. The acquittal aspect. The blood is permanent. It's permanent. A guy walked into a photography studio. He said to the photographer, do me justice. The photographer replied, you don't need justice, you need mercy. Acquit is a very heavy word. It means to pay off, to free, to clear, to absolve. It has a far-reaching meaning extending from the past all the way to the future. I think you remember the O.J. Simpson trial and his acquittal of murder. And that acquittal means that they can never come back to him 
with that charge. They can't. So no new evidence can be presented. You might say that's not justice. Well, I agree with you. That was not justice. But you and I have got to understand one thing. We're guilty. We're guilty. And we should know it. And we don't, we don't want justice. We want mercy. We want mercy. And we need it to be permanent. Sins forgiven and forgotten when you give your life to Jesus Christ. Lamentations 3 and 23 says, His mercies are new every morning. Turn to somebody and say, let his mercy touch you. Not only, listen to me, not only are our past sins covered, but also our present and our future sins are put under the blood when we trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, this is what John the Baptist, his cousin, said when he saw him. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. To God, it's all lumped together. So from Adam all the way to the last person, that blood is covered. However, we have to do the, the one thing that's necessary. We have to apply it. You can't sit stoic and think, God is going to forgive me. I'm sorry. God is the one that makes the rules to life. God is the one that put all this into existence. And God said this, you must be born again. There's no leeway. There's no squeaking it out. You're born of water and of the Spirit. The only way that I know is in the Bible, Acts 2.38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And to my knowledge, he hasn't stopped calling. He's still calling down through the corridors of time. Come on to me, all you that are labored and heavy laden. I will give you the rest that is necessary for your soul. See, Jesus' blood cleanses us from our past. Isaiah said this, Isaiah 44 and 22, I have blotted out as a thick cloud your transgressions, and as a cloud your sins return unto me, for I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. David said this in Psalm 103 and 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then in Hebrews 8 and 12, it says this, I will remember them no more against you forever. I, I still have 
in the 43 years that we've lived for God, I still have trouble with people that have such a hard time negotiating this salvation. They want to wait. They want, they want time. I don't know what you need time for. I mean, if it's there, if it's in the pages, if you read it, just do it. I've got a t-shirt that says, just do it. Every time I see it, I put it on and I go out, cut the grass. It's just do it. Don't think about it. Don't deliberate it on it. Just do it. Do the dishes. Just do it. When it comes to salvation, just do it. What are you waiting for? God will meet you, Gracie. It's the blood that will take care of your child. It's the blood when you pray and you ask God, cover my child with your blood. God hears. And I'll prove it to you in a little while. I'll prove it to you. Let's go back. Now it's appraisal, Joe. In this forensic look at the blood, it's appraisal. The blood is precious. It's precious. We sing a song, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other font I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, that blood is so precious. And can I, can I just have you, I didn't put this in there, but it's just come to mind right now. Hebrews, it's 29. I've forgotten the chapter. Let me look it up, Joan. I've got it right here. Is it 9 and 29? What am I doing? Pardon me, never turn your back on your audience. <laughs> 10 and 29. I was just looking at that this morning. And I want to give you a greater understanding of this verse. It says, Oh, of how much sore punishment suppose you shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he hath sanctified unto an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Those of you that have been covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to say it like a Southsider, when you do stupid things, you trod the blood of Jesus Christ underfoot. When you lie, when you cheat, when you steal, when you look at pornography, when you do things that you shouldn't be doing, you trample that blood. And you know what the devil does? The devil laughs with glee. That's what he does. When we don't submit ourselves to the people that we should submit ourselves, when we run our mouth off 
You might think nobody hears, but God hears everything. And it's that blood that you are trampling underfoot. You're saying, I don't care. I don't care what you did for me. Maybe you've never thought about that. You should. You should really consider because he went to the cross willingly for each and every one of you. He said in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. And so we, by the same token, should say, not my will. Not my will, but your will be done. I'll follow you, Jesus. Why? You shed your precious blood that I could be set free. That blood is precious, and what we should never do is we should never take it for granted, ever. 1 Peter 1.19 says, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. There's a story that's told of a very wealthy old man who had an elaborate collection of Van Gogh and Monet paintings. His only son shared his father's interest in the rare paintings. He traveled around the world buying these paintings wherever they could find them. The son enlisted in the army and was placed in a medical corps. In a severe battle, while carrying a wounded soldier to safety, the son was seriously wounded himself and died. The mother was dead already, and the news of the tragedy devastated the old father. He grieved in loneliness for months. One day, a knock came at his door, and when he responded, he found a young man with a package. The young man explained that he was one of several soldiers that his son had carried to safety. Knowing of his interest in paintings, he had painted a picture of the son and presented it to the father. The painting was not rare, but was very precious to the old man because it was a good resemblance of his son. The man moved a very valuable painting from the mantle and placed the picture of his son in its place. Hour after hour, he would sit in a rocker, gazing up at the image of his beloved son. When death came, the art collection was put on sale by an auction house. Hundreds of collectors came to bid. The auctioneer announced that the will stated that the picture of his son was to be auctioned first. A moan of disappointment could be heard from the crowd. Let's get on with the real paintings, one of them was heard to have said. The son's picture was held up and the auctioneer cried, Who will give a hundred? Fifty? Twenty-five? There was no response. A kind old gentleman in the back asked, Will you take ten dollars? Sold, said the auctioneer. Good cried the crowd. Now we can get on with the auction. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes the auction, announced the auctioneer. The crowd was puzzled and upset. Then the statement was given. The will declared that the son's picture was to be sold and the person who took it would get all the rest. 
The old man who paid $10 for the picture of the son was suddenly amazed at the fact that he now owned all the valuable paintings. Listen to me. When someone takes the Son of God, everything God has is included. You become heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. The precious blood has made that all possible. And finally, the last thing in forensic study is the aggression. The blood is protective. In Exodus 12, the blood was sprinkled on the doorpost of the Jewish homes, just as the Lord had instructed them. When the death angel came on that faithful night with the awful judgment of death to the firstborn, the Jews were protected by the blood. It was actually their faith, their faith that protected them. They believed what God had told them, they believed the word of God that was given them by the preacher Moses. They believed it enough and they put it into action. Once again, let me see how many of you were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. You believed the preacher and you put it into action. And what they did was they reaped a great benefit. God had said this in Exodus 12 and 13, The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land. We still speak as Christians about being under the blood, don't we? It's under the blood. The judgment will not fall on those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and have committed their lives through the born-again experience unto Him. The death of your lives, the death of your souls in hell will pass over you. Why? Because you believe. Now, I told you something. There's a unique thing about the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible gives you an understanding of that. The blood of Abel is the same as the blood of Jesus. Listen to this from Genesis 4 and 10. And he said, what have you done? He said that to Cain after he killed his brother. God said, the voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. So that blood has voice. It speaks. In Hebrews, it says this, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaks better things than that of Abel. Listen, the difference between the blood of Cain or Abel and the blood of Jesus. Abel's blood cried out for vengeance on the murder. It invoked punishment on Cain's sin as a result 
of which Cain become a restless wanderer on a hardened earth that would not yield anything back to him any longer. It was a punishment that he said, I'm, I can't bear it. Should have thought about it. But the blood of Jesus, on the other hand, cries out for mercy. That blood cries out for mercy on sinners. And it might be oversimplification, but you've got to understand that blood still speaks today. That blood of Jesus. Come on. That blood of Jesus doesn't merely intercede. It instructs. The blood of Jesus says, you are righteous. It doesn't matter what the accuser of the brethren says. That blood is saying, you've taken me on. You've put me on. You are righteous today. The blood speaks a message of joy. Joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. The blood of Jesus says, you are victorious over the devil. All you need to do is claim the blood in your life. That blood is continuously speaking if you'll only listen. That's why David said, be still and know that I am God. Let him talk to you. Do you get what the big deal about the blood is? Do you get it now? That's what the big deal is. Can you see Christ's blood? That's why I wore my red shirt. I want you to understand it flowed. More importantly, can God see that blood on your life? If not, all he sees is your sin. That's all he sees. Make sure. This preacher is talking right now. Make sure you're covered. Only one application will do. Just one application. The old commercial, a little dab will do you. Only the old guys know that. All it takes is one time in the baptismal tank. In the name of Jesus, for the remission of your sins. Why don't you stand? Joan, I'm going to end with a story because you like stories. John Wesley was an evangelist who was used by God mightily in the 1700s. One night he returned home from a service and was surprised to find an intruder in his home. The thief, however, found his victim to have only a little bit of money and some Christian literature. As the robber was leaving, Wesley called out, Stop. I have something more to give you. The surprised robber paused. My friend, said Wesley, 
You may live to regret this sort of life. If you ever do, here's something to remember. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The thief hurried away, and Wesley prayed that his words might bear fruit. Years later, Wesley was greeting people after a Sunday service when he was approached by a stranger. You all guessed it already. What a surprise to learn that this visitor, now a believer in Christ as a successful businessman, was the one who had robbed him years before. I owe it all to you, said the transformed man. Oh no, my friend, Wesley exclaimed, not to me, but to the precious blood of Christ that cleanses us all from sin. I hope you get an understanding forensically of what I'm talking about. The blood is efficacious. It still works today. If you have not been baptized by total immersion in Jesus Christ, why do you wait? Because there will come a day where we will be judged and God will be looking for the blood application to your life. And at that point, there's no excuse. He'll say, how come? I sent so many people in your direction to tell you. And you didn't relent. No alternative because God is the just judge of all the earth. And to those of you that I showed Hebrews 10 and 29, don't trample the blood under your feet. Each and every day, you should give thanks unto God. Each and every day, you should show Him the worthiness of your life by living, talking, thinking about Him. And God will bless your lives. It's cataloged in here. So I'm going to say a prayer right now. And I pray that you would come down here and pray unto him. Let him know how much you love him and thank him for that blood. And let him know that you're going to live for him. Father, I come before you this morning knowing that your presence is here. You are wonderful. Go. you would touch each and every heart. Let the blood, let the blood that's so effective begin to do its work. God, we plead the blood. We plead the blood. We plead it in Jesus' name. Talk to him this morning. Talk to him. He wants you to come to him. Let his blood do its work. The voice of his blood cries out to you this morning. First and foremost, it cries out, I love you. 
I gave my life for you. Follow me. Follow me. Your blood is my refuge when I'm hurt.